Brother Brian's not here. We record a different way to make sure we can capture and uh, put on our podcast. John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 17. And then I'm going to have you turn to the book of Acts and read another passage and then we'll pray. Amen. Y'all good with that? I know we changed it up a little bit. Uh, change is good, right? So you know that I equally, uh, I'm an equal opportunity guy when it comes to making fun of denominations, right? Including our own. Uh, and so Brother Kevin had sent me a really cool, uh, I don't know if it was a, something in the school reading or whatever, but it was talking about denominations, how we get to heaven, there's going to be no sections there, right? But I'm reminded of the prayer of the, the Methodist pastor. Lord, please let something happen that's not in the bulletin today, right? Uh, isn't it great that we don't have to schedule that, right? That we gather together and when we truly, sincerely, honestly seek his presence, we know that he's here. We've already felt his presence here today. Amen. So I tell you right now, we could close the prayer right now and go home. And I know that God has already touched hearts, but I'm not going to do that. Right. Some of y'all is like, is it... are we getting to the buffet early today? The answer is negative. Right. Negative. Or, uh. One of my buddies had a dad who was a trucker, and he was always talking trucker talk. You know, Roger that, and negatory. He's a word he used. You ask him a question, instead of saying no, you know, hey, can we go over here and play that? Negatory, right? So I remember the first time he heard it, I asked my buddy, I'm like, what does that even mean? What's negatory? I was a kid. I didn't understand. Um, so he talked to us like we all had CB handles or something. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, so it's just great to be in his presence, but we know that God has word for us today. Uh, and we know, that, uh, we know that he has something for us, so we're excited about that. Uh, so John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 17. And then we'll, read, we'll flip over to Acts, and I'll tell you where to go when we get there. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now let's turn over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 31. You don't have to go very far, it's the next book over. Didn't want any of y'all think you had to do a long distance, right? If you have the app this morning, uh, the, the outline is in the app along with the blanks. There's also uh, the points of the outline today are in, your, uh, are in your bulletin, so you can follow along with that as well. Um, Acts chapter 9 verse 31 says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us. Father, we thank you, Lord, even for the mess that is sometimes our lives. Because, God, we know that even tribulations and trials, Lord, can have a wonderful effect. Because, God, we do want to grow. We do want to learn how to trust you explicitly. And we know that sometimes the only way to do that is to be in a situation that causes us to have to rely on you. But, Lord, it's in those moments that we draw closest. It's in those moments where we feel you Lord, uh, the most near that we ever do. It is in those moments, Father, where you teach us. So, Lord, we love you. And, Lord, we know that it is through the blood of your dear Son that we can cry out, Abba, Father, today. 
And Lord, we know that that is an endearing expression. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts. Lord, for the love that you've shown us. We ask you, Lord, to be with the message this morning. Lord, not me, the speaker. That it, Lord, I pray it's not about me. But, Lord, we pray that it's all about you. Help us, Lord, to, to get our own self out of the way that may, we may receive your word with gladness. Lord, even the parts that may step on our toes, Father, we thank you. Because we know that you do this because you're a loving Father. And so, Lord, we love you today. And we pray all of this through the name of your beautiful son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So last week, we gave you six points. And I told you that I was going to come back and give you five today. But as I was praying and studying and reading and listening, uh, there was a couple more points that I think that some of these interlock a little bit together. Some of them kind of almost sound the same, but yet they're uniquely different at the same time. And so I'm not going to give you five this morning. We'll give you seven. All right, seven. I heard somebody, oh, man. <laughs> I don't know who that was. That's awesome. It's what every preacher wants to hear. I got seven points. Oh, man. I wanted eight. <laughs> Said no one ever, right? No, some of you. Uh, listen, I will tell you that um, having been around church work for a long time, the way this church values preaching in the Word of God is just simply amazing. <laughs> Um, the fact that you, uh, you know, I kid around about it and there, there may be one or two that, you know, don't like the length, but honestly, all I really ever receive from all of you is encouragement. No one ever says, pastor, you preach too long or any of that stuff. Um, it's always encouragement. We want the word. And as long as you're going to preach the word as it is written, we'll stay here and we'll listen, even if it takes us you know, twice as long. And so it's, it's real encouraging to be a pastor here um, and to preach here because of the love that you guys have for the word. Uh, and so I'm so thankful for that. So last week we went over six things. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. I'm not going to explain them. Uh, but number one was the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. We know that upon receiving Christ, uh, upon repentance uh, and receiving salvation, we know that instantly we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's not a second work. That is the work. Amen. That is a part of calling him Lord as we receive the comforter, the Holy Spirit. By the way, something I have been questioned over the years is sometimes like in the King James Version, you'll see Holy Spirit, and you'll see Holy Ghost. Uh, and some people think that they're two different entities. That is absolutely not the case. Um, because when you go back to the original writings, uh, specifically in the Greek and the New Testament, where you see Holy Spirit, uh, you'll see that uh, whether it's Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, the original writing in the Greek was the same word, which is pneuma, right? Um, I'm sorry, pneuma is breathed out. Um, but you'll see uh, the same uh, connotation in the Greek uh, throughout the entire New Testament. And so when they were translating the King James Version, they did it in sections. Everybody had a section. And one translator may have used Holy Ghost and the other one uh, translated Holy Spirit, but they're one in the same. And that's important to know, right? So when you look at a more modern translation, um, we, a modern translation is not to make the Word of God better. 
It's just going back to the original writings and translating it uh, in an English form that we speak today instead of the old Elizabethan uh, type of English. So it's not a new Bible, right? It's simply the Word of God translated from the original writings um, into the kind of English that we speak today. And we use the ESV specifically uh, because it is a, what we call a scholarly translation, that it is a word-for-word translation. Uh, it is not a paraphrase. There are some other Bibles out there that are much easier to understand. And I, for one, as a pastor, if someone hasn't been a believer, wasn't brought up in church, uh, and it's their first introduction to the Bible, I'll be quite honest, I usually will, will I, I've even bought them for people, but I usually refer them to an easier translation because when you try to bite into the Word of God, I mean, the, the Word of God can be shallow enough that a baby won't drown, but it'd be deep enough that you can never get to the bottom. Amen. Uh, the Word of God is amazing. But when someone's starting for the first time, uh, I will usually give, uh, usually uh, refer to them to the, either the NLT uh, or sometimes the Message Bible. So I just thought it was important to explain that. I know sometimes that question comes up when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So number one was the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. Number two was the Holy Spirit is the seal of God's ownership and promise of completion. Number three was the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of the ways and teachings of Christ. Number four was the Holy Spirit convicts both the believer in the ways of righteousness and the unbeliever in their sin. Number five was the Holy Spirit fills us. In other words, it makes our life complete. And number six was the Holy Spirit brings unity to those who walk in Christ. So now we pick up there from that. And so this morning, the first one uh, uh, line in your bulletin is this. The Holy Spirit comforts us comforts us some translations you'll see in john chapter 14 says i must go away but there's another one that's coming uh and it'll call him the comforter some translations say a helper um the word that is originally used is uh parakletos um and that word uh means from the from the same source uh it's alon parakletos means from the same source a helper or an advocate um, and it's important to understand that the bible talks about the holy spirit not as an it but it talks about he, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to go away that the Spirit may come. And he's coming from the same source because we know the Bible says uh, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one, and they bear record and witness together. Right? So the Holy Spirit's coming to pick up where Jesus left off in the way of walking with his disciples. Jesus says, I must go away. At this point, he was in the flesh walking every day with his disciples. I'm going to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he does, he's going to reveal so much more to you. But you won't understand it. Jesus could have, he tried to explain the fact that he was going to be crucified. He tried to explain what was going to happen. And his disciples wasn't getting it because they just couldn't, they couldn't fathom, couldn't picture what was going to go down. But it was after Christ was crucified and after he had risen that all of a sudden things started to make more sense. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, we see in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty Russian wind on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and we see the formation of the early church uh, of Christ grow uh, at that moment. So number seven is the Holy Spirit comforts us. He is a comforter. It's a blessing to know that we can trust the Holy Spirit to bring us comfort. Now I want you to think about comfort exists in, in, in many formats. When I talk about comfort you, sometimes I can comfort you by giving you a hug. Sal is a comforter. I'll tell you now that I had to go have a test done this past week at the doctor, uh, at the doctor's office, and a nurse, she was such a sweet lady, right? 
And we're leaving Sal hugs the nurse. Who does that? I think she'd have hugged the doctor if he hadn't walked away so fast. He's like, what in the world? Now listen, can the Holy Spirit do that? Absolutely. I think sometimes there's been times where I've been just in, in anguish over things. And I pray to God, listen, and his spirit just wraps his arms around me and brings me comfort. Letting me know that he is near and that I am never without him. A lot of people, when you, when you talk about things like depression and things of that nature, what do they feel? A lot of times in depression, people feel absolutely alone, abandoned. And they see no hope in no way. And so it, it's almost as if depression just wraps around the person and constricts them to where they just, they, they can't even do just daily things. By the way, if you don't think the Bible speaks of depression, go read about Elijah. And you'll see that there was a time where Elijah was just, he thought all hope was gone. And I will tell you what God did not do. God did not go kick Elijah when he was down and say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's not what he happened. You know what he did? He fed him. God sent him food by the way of, uh, I forget it was a raven or bird or whatever it was, but God, God sent him food. Because in depression, sometimes the, it's just the daily things. If you, you can help people by being there for them and just helping them get up to do the daily things, brush your teeth, eat some food, get something to drink, and just help them quit being paralyzed. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit comforts us literally by being in the room. By saying, Huff, I know that it just seems like everything around you is in utter chaos and all you want to do is turn the lights off and hide. But I want you to know you're not alone. Because even when I'm in the dark with the lights off and I just want to hide, he reminds me that he is there in the room with me. And what a comfort. Dr. Eddie Moody, who happens to be the leader of our denomination now, who's just voted in uh, this past year, uh, he wrote the book, First Aid for First Responders, uh, How to Help People in All Different Types of Crisis. He worked in the prison system in North Carolina for many years. Uh, he was, he was a, uh, a psychologist, I believe, or something like that. He was a therapist. Uh, and he worked with uh, the, the folks in the prison. Uh, I think for over 20 years, but he, he t told a story one day of, of how he went and there was this prisoner. This prisoner was a kind of a rough fella. Um, you know, he just soon fight as he would breathe. Uh, and a lot of people were scared of the guy and uh, they had to deliver some bad news that his mother had passed. But there was worse news. It was not only had his mother passed, but he had been denied. You see, they had already put in when they when they knew his mother died, they tried to see if there was any way that he could get out for the funeral maybe with a guard or something, just long enough to go to the funeral and then be brought back. And they said, absolutely not. So not only has his mother passed, but he wouldn't even be able to attend uh, her funeral. And they were scared to tell him. So they went and got Dr. Moody and they said, doctor, can you, can you go in and, and help us out here and, and tell him? Um, and he said, yeah. He said, just put me in a room with him and let me talk to him and I'll let you know if I need you. So they said, okay. <laughs> If you're brave enough to do that, have at it. So Dr. Moody, they, they put him in this kind of holding type of cell. And Dr. Moody looked at him and sat down beside him and said, listen, i got to deliver some bad news. Uh, he said, and his bad news topped with more bad news. Um, he said, and, and I don't know how you're going to react, but I want you to know that I care about you. And that's why I'm here. And uh, 
I'll be here for you. So Dr. Moody gave him the word that his mother had passed, that he would not be allowed to go to the funeral. And the guy just sat there and he said he was just, you know, started to weep. But just in silence, you know that weep that you have where you can't even really make a sound? Have you ever been there? So Dr. Moody says, listen, I want to be whatever that you need at this moment. He said, but I can leave you alone if you want, or I'd be happy to stay. He says, is it okay if I stay? He said, the boy just looked up through his tears and just kind of nodded his head yes. And so Dr. Moody just sat there across from him two hours the boy said nothing just went through periods of crying and finally after two hours he started to talk he started to tell Dr. Moody about his mother you know about his own feelings of guilt how he had let his mother down by the things he had the lots he had chosen in life in the past he chose to go down and Dr. Moody says that he felt that some of the most important things we could do for other people in their moments of hurt is just be there. Not try to tell them, not, we, we don't need to give each other the, 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 you know, all the Christian things, right? And some people don't even get that right. I love this one. I, when I say I love it, I mean I hate it, right? Well, you know, God's not going to put more on you than you can stand. That's absolute hogwash. It's not in the word of God, by the way. It says that there'll be no temptation come upon you where he won't give you a way of escape. That's what the scripture really says. But you know where Dr. Moody learned about being there is through the Holy Spirit working in his life. Because there's moments he said that I haven't felt the same way that he did. And the Holy Spirit has been there for me. And God has let me know that his presence is there. Comfort. God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He'd be with us until the end. The Holy Spirit can comfort us. But you know, that's one type of comfort. The, the just feeling as if we're being hugged by God himself. That's just one comfort. But you know, the Holy Spirit comforts us in many ways. I take comfort in the fact of knowing that the Holy Spirit is not going to let me go astray without making sure I know about it. I can trust the day that I can make decisions. And I can trust God in the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life that as I make those decisions, if I am making one that God is not pleased with, he will absolutely let me know about it. Isn't that comforting? I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to go astray, do you? But just to know that sometimes we get in these big decisions we got to make in life, right? I mean, I remember when I was laboring over whether to leave the company I had worked for for so long to go to another, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, then when I finally just realized that the Holy Spirit's not going to let me make that mistake. If I, if I earnestly pray to God and say, God, I do not want, I, I want to be in the center of your will. And I want to do, you know, as you have designed me to. And I've given two decisions. I mean, I've given a decision to make here. I've got two different, uh, two different ways to go. And, and I want to be pleasing to you. And I labor and I want to know the right way. I want God just to come down and check the box, A or B. And he didn't do that. But instead, I received the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Say, huff. Either one of them companies, I'm going to be with you. And if God really doesn't want you to be at that company, he's able to shut a door. He's able to let you know or give you something to let you know that that's the not the right place to go. But how often do we agonize over these things, right? Listen, we should be comforted today to know that the Holy Spirit is going to make sure 
make sure that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt where God wants us to be. But you know what I truly believe? I believe sometimes decision A or B really didn't matter. Whether I stayed or went to the other company. The fact is, I believe a lot of these things God has just given us freedom on. Listen, you can go work in either place, but know this, that I'm going to take care of you no matter where you're at. But also know this, wherever you're at, I want you to be a testament to others and tell them about me. As long as your mind is set on pleasing me and making sure that my word gets proclaimed, I don't care which one you do, huh? Sometimes we agonize over even the small things and not realize that we have freedom in God. And if it's really a door he don't want you to walk through, he's going to make sure you know about it. And we can make comfort today. That is a beautiful comfort. I, I want to give you an instance of where this happened. First off, I, I, the reason I had you, we read Acts chapter 9 verse 31 is, is to, to know that the early church is forming. And it says... It says that to the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's important because, listen, as they were, as they were, were worshiping God and believing that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and believing that he is Lord, and as they're proclaiming this all over the land, other people were getting mad. But listen, the church had comfort. The Spirit had shown up just like Jesus had promised, and so they had comfort in the Holy Spirit of knowing that they were walking in the way of God and that they were not in any way in opposition to him. But look at Acts chapter 16. I want you to turn to this. And I want, if you make, are you a Bible note guy? You know what I'm talking about? Some people like, they're like, I ain't writing my Bible. And some people, you open the Bible and look like a highlighter threw up in it. You know what I'm saying? My dad's Bible looked like World War III happened in that mug, right? It got right in it. It's got different color highlighters. I'm like, dad, is there a color code system in here? No, I just grabbed whatever highlighter your mother had. I'm like, you got orange, you got yellow, you got green. Is there something about this thing? Well, how am I supposed to know when you pass away and I got your Bible? How am I going to know which what? Or you got a key in the front that tells me what? He's like, son, it's just highlighted. Whatever your mother had, I'd run out of one, she'd buy me another. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. And I want you to kind of grasp this concept. It says, and they went through the region of... Uh, whatever that, Phrygia, whatever it is, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, Paul had set his mind to go to Asia. Are you with me? Paul had set his mind to go to Asia. Guess what? Holy Spirit said, "Uh uh-uh. Now, think about that for a minute. Isn't that a comfort? I'll read the rest in just a minute. Isn't that a comfort to say, listen, Paul's like, I got my mind set up. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Asia is our next stop. That's where we're going. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not where you need to be. You're going to get word soon, but I'm going to tell you right now, you'll get word when God wants you to have word, but I'm telling you right now, I'm shutting the doors on Asia. Now, when it says the Holy Spirit forbid them to go, I don't know if Paul had an overwhelming feeling of the presence of the Holy Spirit that told him that's not the place to go, that he didn't have peace on it. I don't know if maybe they were making plans and the plans fell through. We don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit did it, but that's the great thing. Because if we knew exactly how the Holy Spirit did it, that's what we'd be centered on. Well, you know how he did to Paul. They, had that, they were lining up that boat to be able to go, and God shut the boat down. So you know what? Uh, now I'm getting ready to go on a cruise, and they canceled. Well, God didn't want me to go on. I mean, we, we would, every time we was in a boat, we'd be thinking about Paul, and did God not want me to go on the boat? 
I love the Word of God because God leaves things out so that we won't center on them. Instead, we'll center on the message. I don't know how the Holy Spirit told Paul not to go, but this I do know. The Holy Spirit made sure that Paul didn't go. And that same Holy Spirit that would hold Paul back from going where Paul wanted to go can hold you back from going where you want to go if it's not where God wants you to be. Now, I will tell you this. If God shuts a door, don't go kicking on it. Amen? You ever seen them rams they got to do the police for them doorways? They bust the doors down, right? Don't be grabbing one of them. God shut the door, but I'm bound to determine to open this thing. Look like dog a bounty hunter up in here, but busting in again. If God shuts a door, leave it shut. But let's keep reading. It says, so having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, it's talking about the same spirit here, but they just call it the spirit of Jesus. Right? It's the Holy Spirit. Did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you see this beautiful story? This is such a comfort to me to know. Now listen, when, God does it, when, when God's got something else planned for you, the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the believers is going to make sure that you and I know. And now he may not give us all the details. Notice the Holy Spirit forbid them, but didn't tell them, no, Paul, you're not going to Asia, you're going to Macedonia. It didn't reveal Macedonia yet. You see, part of faith is walking that when God says no and shuts a door, you don't stop walking. They kept on traveling, knowing that it... God was going to make sure they knew where they needed to be. And so they went on their travels. And then in the night, Paul received a vision and what we call the Macedonian call. A man from Macedonia urging him, begging him to come over and preach the gospel and proclaim it where they are in Macedonia. The Holy Spirit comforts us. It comforts us not only by wrapping his wonderful arms around us and letting us feel his presence, By letting us feel him near. But he comforts us in letting us know that you and I are not going to run astray. Without the Holy Spirit letting us know where we need to be. And how we need to be. Holy Spirit comforts us. Number eight is this. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Now this is important. Because we live in a day-to-day where people say truth is what you want it to be, right? It's what you believe. It's called relativism, right? The truth is relative to how you see it. Well, the simple fact, it's not. But in today's society, what is truth? We see especially big movements uh, in today's culture, movements on uh, multi-theism, or, or just deism in general, meaning that people believe there is a God, but all roads lead to God. So whether you're going through Buddha or Hindu or whatever, regardless of which path you go, they all lead to God, which is absolutely incorrect. The word of God is very clear that Jesus Christ, under no other name, may a man be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truths. Now, that's not only the truth of the word of God, because listen, God is the one who establishes truth. Truth is what he says it is, not what we want it to be. We live in a society today. Somebody talked to me yesterday for just a few moments. 
uh, and was talking about, you know, someone uh, close to, to this family um, who lives an alternate lifestyle. And, so, and, and they were talking about the uh, presidential, uh, the guy who's running for president, uh, Buttigieg, or whatever his name is. Um, he made a statement that if you don't like me, he's, a, he's a open, confessing homosexual. He says, if you don't like me, then you've got to talk to my creator. If you think I'm wrong, talk to my creator. He says, what is my response for that? I said, well, let's talk to the creator. Because I have the written word from the creator himself. Amen? And it's very clear on this subject. Truth is not what you think it is. And so people now want to make that claim, well, I was born this way. Well, if that's the case, then we have to open up all prisons because there ain't no person in prison that wasn't born that way. Amen? You can't make that claim for that one specific thing and only apply it to that. If you're going to apply that logic that I am living in sin, I'm living in a way that's inconsistent with God because I was born this way, that goes all the way back to Adam when he says, that woman you gave me. Amen. And so now we want to bring God down to our size. You don't like it. You talk to him. This is his fault. We are all born with the proclivity to sin. We're all born that way. We're all born active, seeking self as the center. And if you don't believe that, let a two-year-old come to your house for a couple hours. Amen. Mine, mine, mine. I want, right? It's a two-year-old life revolves around them. So they think. And we as parents got to teach our children that the world does not revolve around them. It's not about them. But we're born that way. That's the way we're born selfish. You see, when, when we look at the doctrine of salvation, there's one thing that everybody agrees on. The total depravity of man. That we are depraved. And that, that you and I, we, we, we are just by nature selfish. The world says this, everybody has good in them. But the Bible says something very different. The Bible says we're all born into a sin nature. And by nature we go against God because we want for ourselves the way we want it to be. Now if my wants happen to align with God's wants, then me and him, well, we're good. But the moment that God wants something different for me than what I want... Then there's the problem. Am I going to choose self or am I going to choose God? You see, there may be people that may struggle with those tendencies, but there's people that struggle with other tendencies too. Right? So when I get angry and go off the hook and I start trashing stuff and destroying property, well, talk to my creator. I was born this way. When you say something I don't like and I smack you right in the mouth and bust your teeth out, talk to my creator. He made me this way. Mary took notes. <laughs> I think they're building a case against me. I'm not for sure. But I got video of Kevin last night to make sure if they ever go against me. I, oh. Well, here's your assistant, Pastor. Look what he was doing. Yeah, right stomp. Crisscross. Oh, I got it all. Five hops now, y'all. Bonk, 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 bonk. Right? This is why a pastor takes video during these events. I got video and I will use it. But listen, the Holy Spirit, it guides us into all truth. 
John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15 says this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what is this saying? The Holy Spirit will speak what the Father says. The Holy Spirit will never speak to you and lead you in a way that is inconsistent with the word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So listen, we can't take a lifestyle or we can't take something that we want to do that goes against God's word and then say, well, you know, uh, try to use God's word to, to somehow back it up. Take a verse out of context. The Holy Spirit will reveal all truth. That is not only truth to you and I so we'll understand, but that is also truth in general that, listen, your sins will find you out. Romans 8.16 says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so know this. That if I am truly living with the spirit of God within me and leading my life and you are too, then we're going to bear witness together. But listen, the Holy Spirit will reveal truth. If you're walking in a spirit that is not of God, it is going to come out. It is going to show. Some people say, well, how can you sit back and let some things happen? Listen, I ain't going to worry about it. The Holy Spirit will lead us to all truth. If you're walking in a way that's inconsistent with God, but yet saying that you are in his will, the Holy Spirit will reveal it. I ain't got to do it. Now, there's times as pastors and leaders of church, we've got to confront certain things. Absolutely. But I know this, as I've had a lot of people say a lot of things to me over the years. And, uh, man, I'll tell you one thing, all of a sudden they get this, huh? boy, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, man, I'm going to work for the Lord. I'm going to do all this. And this, man, I'm going to give all that I have. I'm going to do all these great things. And I'm like, the Spirit of God will lead us into all truth. You're saying words right now. If the Holy Spirit's really leading you and you're walking with him, you'll back it up with your works. If you don't, we've been, we've been guided into all truth. Amen. And so listen, I've had people try to stab me in the back and hurt me just like you have. The spirit of God will lead us into all truth. It comes out. We're not going to hide these things. The spirit of God will let us know. He will lead us into all truth. Because God defines truth. And the Bible says a way of an oppressor is hard. You're not going to go against God. And him not let you know about it. Amen. Spirit of God leads us in all truth. Number nine. The Holy Spirit is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. The Holy Spirit is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. Now this is a pretty long passage of scripture, but let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go ahead and turn with me. This is another one you may want to mark in your Bible. First Corinthians chapter two, we're going to read verses seven through 14. And it says this. Well, some of y'all still turn and I hear pages. Isn't that a wonderful sound? Pages. I like it. My iPad don't make no noise. I'm going to get, I'm going to see if there's a page turning app. It makes it sound like a page turning. I like books. You ever walk in the library and be like, I love that smell of books. You know what the problem is? I lose books. 
And I also give them away, but I ain't giving you my iPad. Right? And so I've got now where I, I, I sometimes will buy books in both formats. I'll buy a paper version, uh, but I'll also buy it electronically, so I always have it. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of my way of doing it. Uh, but I love the sound of pages turning. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 14, it says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now think about that first, right? We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages, None of the rulers understood this, or if not, they would have not crucified the Lord. Now think about what they're saying. They're like, listen, God decreed, and there's a lot of prophecies about Jesus Christ. A lot of them. Think about all the prophecies that he fulfilled in his his 33 years on this earth. And the the Old Testament scholars had that. The Sanhedrin, Ananias, and all those guys are, uh, I think, the high priest. Something like that. Started with A. Ananias. Something. Anyway, that fellow. Right? The Sanhedrin, the, the, the priest who tried Jesus in the middle of the night. All those priests had the written Old Testament. And they studied it. But they didn't understand it. He says, because if they did, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, they didn't get who Jesus was. They had the writings. And it was... It was there, but the wisdom was not. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God had revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand the things freely given to us by God. You see what he's saying here? They had the Word, but they didn't get it, didn't understand it. But we've got the Spirit so that we may better understand the depths of God. Now, think about that when you're reading the Bible. I I mentioned that this morning. Sal and I were talking about the difference between reading the English on the paper and reading the Word of God. A lot of times people will read the black and white and not really see what God is saying because all they're doing is reading the English. They're reading a sentence or a series of sentences in the paragraphs. They're not actually reading the Word of God and, and, and earnestly, earnestly, Diving deep or digging in to understand the word of God. But it says here, Paul's saying that you've been given the Holy Spirit so that you may be able to look at this word and understand these things. So you know what that means? Listen, the Holy Spirit will help us when we go to to read the word of God. I hear people all the time. I read and I don't understand. I'm like, you're looking at it as English. When you truly understand that the Bible we have is the written word of God, and you start reading from that perspective, and you ask God through the leadership of the Holy Spirit to help declare to you to understand these things, you will read the word of God much differently. I've had people, how did you get that out of that? You'll read a passage, well, this is what it's saying. How did you get that out? I don't want, that made no sense to me. Because you're reading it for the English sake. You're not reading the word of God and taking it in. As he has declared it. You're not looking for the meaning in it. You're just wanting to read the English. As if you're reading any other book. The Holy Spirit will reveal. 
and will give us wisdom from his word if we read and study in the spirit of God. Amen. And that will empower us to walk in him. It will give us power to walk this walk and understand because we have this word of God that is so sweet. It's absolutely beautiful. Verse 14 says, well, let's go to 13. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, when we read this Word of God, this Word of God is, is uh, I believe it was Timothy said it was breathed out, right? That's where the pneuma, uh, the air, right? Breathed out by the Word of God. I mean, breathed out by God himself. And so we can't understand the things of God reading from a human perspective or from a natural man perspective. The Holy Spirit revealed to us because the word is the word of God. And he will guide us into this truth. He will guide us into understanding if we will read and pray. Let's listen. Before you open your word of God, you know what you do first? Pray. Pray for this discernment. Pray for the understanding. Pray that God helps you as you read to be able to, to, to clearly understand what is being said by the passage. Because if we just take it for just word's sake, if we're not careful, we'll be like other people outside of the family of God. We'll say, well, the word of God contradicts himself. You ever heard of that? The word of God contradicts himself. Does it? The short answer is no. But Sal and I were talking because she was listening to Francis Chan. Leading her astray. She did tell me, well, there's only one good looking preacher that I know of. That's this guy. So we were talking about the fact that Francis Chan was reading from Scripture and talked about going out and creating relationships and, and <coughs> spending time with people that they may be able to lead them to Christ, about going out into the world to make disciples. But yet there's passage of scripture that says that we are come out of the world. So do they conflict? If you read it in English, it really does seem like it does, doesn't it? How can I come out of the world, but then say to go in the world, go make disciples of all nations? How can I do that? And then come out of the world at the same time, it seems like a conflict. But when we read with the help of the Holy Spirit, we understand what's being said. Coming out of the world is coming out of the thought processes and the way that the world lives. You see, if we're not careful, we hang out with the world. Guess what? Instead of us leading the world to God, guess what, the, what happens? The world leads us into ungodly things. Amen? You see, we have to live in the world. And just, just look at Paul's missionary journeys alone. All the, the journeys that he made into to all these places that didn't know God gives us a clear indication that God wants us to go out into the world. But listen, we don't need to take our mind and our hearts out into the world to soak in what they're saying. Instead, we need to build relationships on the sole purpose of being able to lead them to Christ. And not the other way around. So the word doesn't conflict at all when we read it in the spirit as God intended it to be, with the word of God being, being revealed to us and being open to us into the deeper things of God through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't really understand the word of God until it's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we will receive godly wisdom 
and also power. Not power to do what we want, but empowered to walk in the newness of Christ and to walk in such a way that is worthy of the calling that we've been called into. And that is not just talking about preachers either. That is all of us. We've been called into a holy calling. We all have a job to do. And we're to walk in a way that is worthy of that. Yet we must walk that walk and pick up our cross, deny ourselves and walk with him. But we must do it in front of the world, right, and interact with the world so that they may see. Because if we all Christians just hang out with Christians and we never go out into the world, how will other people hear and know? When we look at the majority of the letters written in the New Testament or the majority of the books that, that are contained in the New Testament were letters written to churches where missionary journeys had taken the word of God and being delivered to them a message of hope. The Spirit of God will reveal, will give us wisdom and power. Number 10, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us as we grow closer to God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. Holy Spirit is not going to lead us to do anything that is sin. I will tell you a true story. Everybody, every time you say that, people are like, well, the other story is not true. Right? Listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. Is everything else you said been a lie? But this actually happened. There was a small church that was being formed as a house church years ago. Some people that I knew. And the guy who was leading this, this church, um, you know, the Bible says the spirit will bear witness. Um, and I can tell you the spirit that was within me and the spirit was, that was within this fellow was not the same. I knew it. Couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew it. Well, it all come crashing down at one point. It, the Bible, you know, clearly says the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. So one day during the Sunday service in the basement of their house, another lady from the congregation stands up and says that the Lord had told her to leave her husband. And then the guy who was leading the church said that God had told him to leave his wife. And then these two were going to leave their spouses to be together, hook up together, so that they could better lead the church. You can't make your stuff up, folks. True story. I don't know whatever happened to them, but I know I got far, far away. Far away. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead us to sin. And clearly, what they were doing was sin. Clearly. The, word, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It helps lead us into things of righteousness. Anyone who willfully sin, I, I wrote this and, and I didn't know how to form this sentence in my notes, but anyone who willfully sins and attempts to justify their sin by misuse of God's word uh, and a testament to the spirit that is within them, uh, it is not the Holy Spirit. If anyone says they're walking in such a way and they either misuse the word of God or misuse what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do X. If they say that and it's clearly against the word of God, I'm going to tell you it's not the spirit of God. But the spirit of God will walk with us 
and help us in the process of progressive sanctification. In other words, when the day I get saved, the day I repent, I am saved. But progressive sanctification is that every day I live in him, I will be more like him. You know, a lot of times someone gives their heart to God and we expect everything in our life to just... And it doesn't really work that way. Galatians 5, chapter 16, verses, uh, verse 16 through 18 says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so listen, law was a list of rules. It says, listen, you don't have to worry about this list of rules because the Spirit of God is going to lead you according to the commandments of God. Amen? So I don't have to worry about having this long list of laws written down because the Spirit of God is going to, listen, oppose anything that is sin. And that's how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal things in our life that is contrary to God. Because there are some things that we want to do that go against the nature of God and go against what God wants for us. And the Holy Spirit is going to make sure that that is called out so that sometimes we live with this conflict that is just going with, on within us. And listen, I don't know about you, but it's hard to have peace when you've got this inner conflict. Y'all know what I'm saying? You ever wrestle with something that, God did, that, that you knew was sin and you wrestle with it? And in those moments where you're wrestling, like there's no peace to be found in that. And you're just back and forth. Paul says that he wrestled against his own flesh. The things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man, am I. That is a clear indication and picture of someone who is wrestling against his flesh because his flesh is clearly desiring something that is not in agreement with God and his word. So Paul describes that conflict that is happening. Holy Spirit helps us in sanctification in that the Holy Spirit reveals these things in our lives that is contrary to God and brings it to light so that we know. You ever, uh, like, you ever been at work and you've been doing something wrong, like, but you didn't know it was wrong? But then when someone tells you that you thought about how many times you had done that? So, uh, give you for instance, so uh, I had been teaching this class and, and I... Uh, thought I understood how this particular unit worked, a very specific sequence of operation. And so I would teach this sequence of operation, uh, and then one day I was teaching, and a factory engineer saw the mistake I had made. And they said, Huff, you got that backwards. There was two things there that was supposed to happen in succession each other, and I had two of them flipped. He said, it's absolutely wrong. And instantly I thought of how many people I'd already taught wrong. How do I make this right? I, I had to, you know, it was important to me. He's like, well, I wouldn't go tell everybody you were wrong. Just fix it and don't do it no more. No, listen, I understand you. I'm going to fix it. I ain't going to teach it like that no more. But what about all the people I taught wrong? Man, it bothered me. But, you know, I had been teaching that class and just happy as a pig in mud until all of a sudden an engineer brought the light. It's always them engineers, by the way. Right? Engineer brought something like I say that because Carl's an engineer. Um, and I ain't talking the woo-woo kind. You know, I'm talking about the smart pencil calculator kind. Pocket protector and stuff. He just don't wear his pocket protector when he's here. I bet you he's got one. Anyway, I can do that to Carl because I love him. Right? If you do it to Carl, I'll smack you around. But anyway, just kidding. Just kidding. God will smack you around. <laughs> 
So anyways, I, I was just, I remember just thinking, how many did I tell wrong? It bothered me. And so luckily I had, you know, a, a method of, of connecting uh, with people who had been in the class. And I literally sent a message to everybody who was in that class. Hey, you know, on this particular slide, on, and I told them what page they could find it in the handout I gave them. On this page, I, I inverted two things, and, and I was wrong. And I had a lot of people come back to me, man, I, I've never seen anybody do something like that before. I'm like, well, you know, I, to me, once it's brought to light, I, I've got to deal with it. And the Holy Spirit will bring things to light. That's how it works in sanctification. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us by continually bringing things to light to us as we walk with him to let us know if we're walking in a way that's contrary to him, he brings it to light so that we can deal with it. And if we really want to be pleasing to God, when, when the Spirit brings it to light, we will deal with it. We won't hide that away. Number 11. Number 11 is the Holy Spirit bears fruit through us. The Holy Spirit bears fruit through us. When walking with the Holy Spirit within us, we will produce works that attest to the leadership of the Holy Spirit being active in our lives, minds, and hearts. Galatians 5.22, you guys know this verse. Me Brother Kevin even, he preached on it or used part of it. Yeah, because you gave out fruit. There's no, there's no handouts today, by the way. I'm not giving out fruit because I'm talking about it. That was pretty clever, though. Galatians 5, 22 verse 20 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, the law, the law can't make you be kind. But if you follow the law as is written, you will be kind. Does everybody understand that? When we go to those Old Testament laws, those laws are governed against actions. But at the heart of those laws... Our love. In other words, the law says, the law says thou shalt not murder. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, it says the word, you know, says thou shalt not murder. But I'll tell you that if you call somebody a fool, that you're in danger of hell fires. Well, what was he saying that? So listen, you can murder in more than one way. You can murder by taking a life, like literally snuffing a life out with a gun, a knife or whatever. But you know, you can kill people's spirit with your words. With the way you act. He says that these kindness and things are against such there is no law. At the heart of the law of God was love and was Christian character. But it's written out through actions. Telling you not to do these things because that's how we teach children, right? I teach a child not to touch a light socket. I don't explain the principles of electricity. Amen? I just tell them thou shalt not touch the... The, the outlet. Thou shalt not touch the outlet. Behind that is love, knowing that that electricity could kill them. Right? But at that age, and so when you look at when God gave his law to people, imagine them as infants in God. He gave them laws. But behind those laws are something much deeper. And that's what Jesus was revealing on the Sermon on the Mount. It says, thou shalt not murder, but I tell you. That you can murder people with your actions and your words without taking their life with a knife or a gun. Amen? So the Holy Spirit will bear fruit through us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit active in our life is not about thou shalt not. The Holy Spirit active in our life is to affect our heart so that we will have the heart and mind of Christ within us. 
and if we have the heart and mind of Christ within us, then we will produce love. We will have joy. We will have peace. We will be patient. We will be kind. We will show goodness, faithfulness, gentle. We'll have self-control. The Holy Spirit active in our lives is going to make sure that when we are walking in a way that is opposed to this, as I said in the previous point, is going to let us know. But the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in us because the Holy Spirit will drive me to do things that normal huff will not do. What does that mean? It means love people who talk bad about me. And some people do. And if you're one of those, I love you. I do. Listen, I, the Holy Spirit is, remember from last week, a seal of the work that God is doing in me. God has placed his seal upon me. I'm his. You can talk about me all you want. But the fruit of the Spirit within us is if we're walking with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God drives me to say, listen, I know you may think ill of me. You may want to talk about me. But you know what? When I think about you, I don't think about what you're doing to me. I more think about what's going to happen to your soul in eternity. You see, that's, been, that, that's becoming more and more the daily thing I think about is that hell is eternal. Hell is ultimate annihilation that lasts forever. And when I look at people, I look past their language. I look past the things they're saying. I look past even the way they feel because what I'm worried about is an eternal soul. I'll live in eternity with Christ where nobody will talk about me at all. Because everything there is according to his will and is perfect. And I'll have eternity to live not having to worry about those things. But this little bit of time I have here now, there are too much important things to be worried about than to worry about who don't like me. Or who don't like you. In light of eternity, the things that we see here are just sometimes just so, just, I don't, I don't, I don't even know the word I want to use. But I, we see things that people worry about and talk about and get all driven up about, all spun up about. And when you, put, when you weigh that against eternity, they don't really have any weight at all. I ain't got time to worry about who don't like me because there's people dying and going to hell. And I don't want anybody that I know, I don't want anybody that, 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 that I've come in contact with to not know about Jesus Christ. Because that's the most important thing. It's not what you think about me. It's not whether my coworkers like me or not. You know, there's a proverb that says that uh, to have friends, a man must show himself friendly. Now, some people take that as, well, that, that's teaching you to be friendly. It's like, no. For a man to have friends, he's got to act in a certain way toward them. And so if you're looking to have friends that are outside the family of God, if you want them to like you, then sometimes you think, you see where I'm going with that? Then I'll do things to, to get them to, be, to accept me. And if I do anything that's contrary against the word of God to get them to accept me, what I'm telling them is that their view of me is more important than God's view of me. Think about that at work tomorrow. Think about that when we, when we live to, to have other people like us. 
You know, any time that I'm willing to do something that God's not happy with just so I could be your friend, then what I'm saying is, is your acceptance of me is much more important than God's acceptance of me. Nowhere in the Bible does God say for us to sin so that we could have people like us, so that we could lead them to Christ. That makes no sense whatsoever. The Holy Spirit will bear fruit through us. If we are living with the Holy Spirit active in our life, then the Holy Spirit will drive us to do that which is right and will bear fruit. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave us with a tree that ain't got no fruit on it. If we got a tree that ain't got no fruit, then is the Holy Spirit active in your life? And then that comes back to, did you truly repent and accept Christ? Or did you want fire insurance? Number 12. The Holy Spirit equips us with spiritual gifts. I'm almost done. The Holy Spirit equips us with spiritual gifts. Now, there are gifts of the Spirit that God gives us, and he gives them to whom he wills. But I want you to understand this. He gives these gifts as he wills, so there's not just one gift that is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Everybody understand what I mean by that? There's not just one gift that I have to have that gift to, to have the Holy Spirit. Not everybody's going to receive the same gifts. Matter of fact, it'd be a pretty stagnant world if we all had the same gift, wouldn't it? That would make us, you know, ununique. But God has made us unique. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. There are gifts of the Spirit, and they vary. They vary not only in the type of gift, but also in the intensity of the gift. But that's up to God. We are to walk in the Spirit, and when it's necessary for us to have one of these gifts that would bring glory to God, he will give it to us. And if he doesn't want us to have that gift, then we won't have it. So we're not to seek the same gift. We are just to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit and allow him to gift us with these things as he sees fit and in his time. Not everybody's going to be a singer. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a teacher. We don't all do these things. Not all of us are going to have the same gifts. By the way, that's not the exhaustive list of gifts. You'd realize that, right? That's just a small portion. Paul's just making a point that there are various gifts that's given in various ways, but all done according to his will. Maybe your gift is a gift of encouragement. You ever met someone that every time they speak, it's always encouraging? My buddy, Pastor Porky, I'm going to tell you, I know that guy's seen rough times. We've talked about it. I know that things ain't been easy because he's a pastor, and so he has the same challenges we got. But I'm telling you, never once will you ever come in a room with that guy and not be encouraged with you. I mean, you could walk in there with your arm hanging on by one little piece of skin, blood everywhere, right? Missing 
your right leg completely, foot off the left one, and by the time you get done, he's going to make you feel good about yourself. Oh, they can fix that arm up. You need two feet. You got this. We'll just get you a little boot and make it up there and put some spray foam in it. We'll fix you up. I mean, that guy, I don't care what's wrong with you. When you leave the room with that guy, you are going to be smiling. It's just his gift. I saw him at Lowe's the other night. Sal and I walked into Lowe's and, and uh, we were just kind of, I, I, oh, we were there to pick up the flooring. It was like two weeks ago. We were there to pick up the flooring. And they had, they were, there was a hassle with the computer. They couldn't find it. And then as soon as they realized what it was, oh, yeah, I saw your name on that tag. It's right back there on the shelf. Well, we've been here for 45 minutes. You just now. Anyway, it was one of those moments. We're on the phone. Mary, you had a receipt. Can you tell me what the number on this thing is? We were back and forth. And there's Porky Jones. Hey, Huff, how you doing? I mean, just like all of Lowe's knows he was there, right? And they all know my name now. And he comes over and gives me this big old bear hug. And, and by the way, he's skinny, you know, and he's like this tall compared to me. But yet when he hugs you, he feels like he could just pick you up and carry you over his shoulder. He's just got that. He's amazing. It's a gift the Spirit has given him. We all have them of various sorts. Don't ever neglect your gift. And don't ever think that your gift is too small. Because God will give you the intensity of that gift as you need it. Don't ever think that, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. I have long said, and I, and I shouldn't say it because he's sitting here, but I have long said that, that Troy is one of the biggest giants in here. I've always said, it's just something about him at that door when you come in here. I mean, we have one of the best representatives of any church. I know there's other guys that help in that too, but there's just something about his handshake and his smile. And he does it so faithfully. So faithfully. And listen, gifted, gifted beyond most people that I know, including myself. So don't ever look at your gift and think your gift's small. You know, the Bible says the people who think they will be first will be last. And those who think they'll be last will be first. I believe we got some giants in here that don't really talk that much at all. But huge, huge giants because of the spirit at work in their lives. So don't ever look at your gift and think that it's small. Don't ever look at your gift and think that, you know, that, that somehow God has slighted you versus another. Also realize this, that to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes we desire to be like other people, but we don't understand the weight of, that's on them with the gift that they've been given. So it may look really good to be able to, to, you know, to sing like you know, some wonderful star or whatever the case may be, but don't, don't, you forget sometimes the accountability that comes with some of those gifts. Just do what God's given you. And that's, that's all he has. And number 13 is this. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. I saved this one for last. The Holy Spirit helps us commune with God in ways that words simply cannot describe. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You ever not know what to pray about? You ever just been tired? And you just kind of sit in his presence and don't know what to say? Let me encourage you this morning. Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. You ain't got to have the words. times that you're going to walk in your life and there's not going to be words for how you feel. But just because you can't verbalize it, just because you can't articulate it, doesn't mean that God doesn't hear it. For those moments where we are too weak to understand, and those moments where we're too weak to think, and those moments where we're too weak to comprehend, Get alone. Just get alone with God. You just start praying. God, I don't know what to say. I just want to sit here a while. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Because I don't know what to do. I hurt deeper than I've ever hurt. Got mountains to climb that are steeper than any mountain I've ever had before. The future's never been so scared. About the disciples, they're in the upper room. They're having the Last Supper. Jesus takes the bread and cup and says, This is my body, which is broken for you. This is the cup that represents the blood that I will give for you.
disciples didn't, wasn't really quite sure. The next 24 hours would probably be the roughest day they ever saw because they would leave from there. They would go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus would be taken captive from there. Of course, Peter grabs a sword and cuts a guy's ear off because that's what Peter does. Jesus picks the ear up and puts it back on because that's what Jesus does. And they would watch him go through mockery of trials. And they'd watch him be taken. They'd watch as a prisoner named Barabbas was brought out and was known to be a murderous thief. And the crowd that day cried out Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Jesus, who had never done anything wrong, who had never done nothing but shown love to them, they'd rather have a murderous thief. And they cried out, crucify. They would see. They would see their Jesus being taken off. And they all ran and scattered and scared. Three days later, he'd arise again, but during those three days, can you imagine what it was like here then? Their life had been turned upside down. Everything they thought was going to be is now, they didn't understand what Jesus is saying. Now he's been taken. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he wouldn't cry out and, and save himself. Life was so confusing. And on the third day, Third day he rose. And suddenly it started to make sense. But I bet you that was a long three days, wasn't it? You see, sometimes we walk in those kind of three days. Sometimes we walk in those moments, those times where it's just confusing. Suddenly nothing makes sense. We can't make heads or tails of it. Spirit is a sign of His seal on us, and that He cares for us. The Holy Spirit will make sure that we stay alive. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to us. The Holy Spirit is even going to love us enough where it's going to say, Love your life. But I'd rather hurt your feelings so that you can walk in peace than let you know what you want.
Brother Randy asked about music for this morning for altar call, and I told him, I, I don't want you to hear anything but the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads this morning? We've already seen the Holy Spirit active in our service this morning. But remember that the Holy Spirit, it'll convict us. It will set us straight. The Holy Spirit will knock on our heart's door. It'll tell us if we're not part of his family. Or it'll tell us when we are part of the family that, hey, that you're drifting away. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is the Holy Spirit revealing something to you this morning and telling you that, you know what? I love you. But you're not walking with me the way you should. I've been trying to get your attention. I've been trying to speak to you. And I'm calling out your name right now. I'm trying to draw you closer. The altar is open this morning if you need to pray. I follow the words of an old song. I've wandered far away from God. But now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've tried. Lord, I'm coming home. And coming home, coming home, never more to Well, now open wide thy heart of love, I'm coming home. As we get ready to go to prayer with somebody, nobody's looking. This morning, just slip up your hand, Pastor, the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart. I just need to get away and listen for a while, but just pray for me. But I will hear the Holy Spirit loud and active in my life. Amen. God sees hands. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful to know today that you speak to our hearts. That, Lord, you do not leave us alone to fend for ourselves. Lord, you don't leave us alone to just try to figure things out. But instead, you've given us your Holy Spirit to walk with us every day. To reveal to us when we're walking in a way that's inconsistent with you. You've given us your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to make sure we're never alone. But Lord, sometimes I block him out. Lord, sometimes your Holy Spirit will speak to me. And Father, I just, sometimes I, I just try to deafen my ears. Because Lord, sometimes he tells me things about myself that I don't like. But Lord, I know that you love us. And you love us so much that you gave your life for us. But not only that, you gave us your spirit. 
to live within us, to teach us, to reveal to us deep things of you. Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will lead us, Lord, into the depths of your word, into a deeper relationship. And Father, I pray, Lord, for those moments where I don't know what to say at all, my brothers and sisters don't know what to say, Lord, we thank you for the work of your spirit that does what we can't. Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our heart this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I don't know what's on this list. Of, uh, we got we got clothing closet coming up next Saturday. Um, you know, it's hard to sustain a ministry for a long period of time, um, but we need your help. And so I know this, God did not save any of us just to sit around and do nothing. Amen. So we need your help. If you're not sure how to help or what you can do, please ask. Right? Ask. Uh, I'm not going to go beat anybody over the head. You know why? I don't have to. The Holy Spirit can do that.